the Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gam Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code SGP. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 in any NFL game. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code SGP. We're also brought to you by Game Time. Snag the tickets without the stress. Use promo code SGPN on your first purchase to save $20. Download the Game Time app and use promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Play the Underdog Pick'em in college or NFL and win up to 20 times your money in one game. Use promo code SGPN Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Finally, we're brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is currently early Sunday morning, September 10th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Reichel, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because it is time to get into the final of the U.S. Open on the men's side, which means that this will be the final match of the Grand Slams in 2023. Kind of crazy how time flies. It feels like uh, about a week ago we covered the Australian Open, and now we're about to see the end of the final Grand Slam. Still been a very fun ride this year. Made a lot of money with all of you and hopefully once again we keep cashing before the season is over but for the sake of the plan with this episode we're going to start off with the recap of the women's side because the final took place yesterday we did a show about it so i'm going to do the recap for the match and my picks then we'll transition into the actual path of both players for the men's final with Medvedev and Djokovic talking about their path to the final. Then we'll get into the betting odds and we'll get into the picks at the very end. So starting off with the recap of the women's final on Saturday, overall, once again, we ended up having a good episode, ended up sweeping. We ended up winning the lock and dog. Starting off with the lock, we had Goff over three and a half breaks of serve at minus 120. And for the dog, we had Goff Moneyline at plus 110. Really a tale of two matches, because or two halves, because Sabalenka dominated early on. And then in the midway point of the second set, Goff just took over. Goff went full wall mode, and Sabalenka could not stop hitting unforced errors. And Goff eventually wore her down in route to a pretty easy third set in route to her first ever Grand Slam title. Now, for the actual predictions with the match, I did call the lock and dog picks right, but if you actually go back and listen to how I expected the match to play out, I think I got basically the entire script right, because I thought that Sabalenka would once again have moments, because I figured that Goff would take some time adjusting to the nerves and the overall firepower that Sabalenka has. But I figured at some point, Goff's defense would be too consistent. And the main issue that I have with Sabalenka's play, I know once again, she's about to become the number one ranked player in the world, so she can overcome it. But the main problem I have with Sabalenka's overall mindset and skill set, she can only play one way. It seems like she really does not do a great job of problem solving. Her solution is to hit the ball harder. That really is what she does in times of adversity. And if she runs into a player playing great defense like Goff, who's going to force Sabalenka to hit extra shots, Sabalenka's not going to suddenly try to get more shots in and try to prolong rallies. She's going to basically double down and rip the forehand and backhand even harder, which will result in more unforced errors. And that's really what happened. It just felt like Goff eventually found her footing in the match. She settled in. And once she adjusted to Sabalenka's power and kept hitting 
extra shots back. Sabalenka really just had no patience, and that's really the problem that she has throughout an entire career, and it's why she has been known. I've mentioned it on the show in the past. She chokes in a lot of big matches, even though she won the Australian Open, because she really does not problem-solve well. Now, I know I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because she did a good job against Keys. Having said that, she did go down a set, a 6-0 set and a break into the second set and the third set, and then Keys just completely choked away the match, which she's done her entire career. But the point is, Sabalenka, in, in, I'd say, situations where her back's up against the wall, she really doesn't think outside the box. She's pretty predictable, and because of that, I figured that eventually you would see Goff break through, and she did. So Goff ended up winning her first ever title, her first ever Grand Slam title, and I want to take a second to give flowers to her coach, Brad Gilbert, because I know a couple of months ago, myself included, we were all criticizing Goff for losing pretty early on in some of the other Grand Slam events, and we thought that she was once again a little bit too immature to actually get to the next level and to finally break through for a Grand Slam title. And then Gilbert showed up, Definitely helped to limit the unforced errors. I thought Goff's serve was more consistent as well. And it seemed like whatever tinkering he did with her strokes simply put, it worked out. And Goff ended up immediately winning a bunch of tournaments, including the biggest tournament of her career with the U.S. Open. So I wanted to give a shout out to Brad Gilbert, who really changed the immediate trajectory of Goff's career. And now Goff can build on this and potentially win a bunch of of uh, Grand Slams in the future. And I'm sure she has a lot more trophies in store for her. But I wanted to give a shout out to Gilbert. I wanted to give a shout out to Goff for sticking with her game plan and not wavering when things looked very ugly in the first set. But as for Sabalenka, I know she's number one in the world. At no point will I view her as being number one in the world. I think Swiatek is the significantly better player, and I don't think it's very close. So that's kind of where I stand on that, but rankings are rankings. Congrats to Sabalenka for being number one. I'm curious if she would trade the number one ranking for a U.S. Open title. Probably, but it's a decent consolation prize. I believe Goff's reward for winning the U.S. Open, in addition to the trophy, was moving up to number three, I believe, in the world. So keep an eye out for that. But Goff might have number one next to her name in the future. So keep an eye on that. But once again, congrats to Goff and congrats to all of us because we ended up having a very solid episode for the women's final. And now we're going to go back to the one match that's remaining in the U.S. Open, the men's final between Medvedev and Djokovic. Now, for a reminder, what our thoughts were going into the semis, we thought what everybody else thought, which was that Djokovic versus Alcaraz was inevitable, and Djokovic did his part. He won in straight sets. We got every pick right from that match, and then we were treated to a bit of a shocker there in the late-night slate, as you had Medvedev against Alcaraz. Match took three hours and 18 minutes, and Medvedev took it to him, and Alcaraz did a very good job early on of sticking with the serve and volley approach and sticking with his overall desire to capitalize off Medvedev's deep returning position. And then it seemed like Alcaraz at times kind of went away from that strategy. And you saw Medvedev really get comfortable, especially in that second set, because Medvedev won the first set 7-6, which featured no breaks. So once again, Medvedev wasn't really doing a great job with Alcaraz's serve, at least dealing with it. And then the second set came around and Medvedev just picked the spots and he ended up having a very good set, 1-6-1. So Alcaraz suddenly is down 2 nothing, 
and you're thinking, okay, this is serious panic mode time. Then Alcaraz won the third set pretty convincingly, and you assumed, okay, Alcaraz maybe figured it out. And even in the fourth set, Alcaraz did have three break points at 1-1, and you figured Alcaraz was going to get the break, settle it down, and let Medvedev kind of self-destruct and maybe get impatient. Didn't happen. Medvedev fought off the break points, then broke Alcaraz in the 2-3 game, and then had to serve it out at the end, fought off three more break points in the 5-3 game, had a couple of match points, and then eventually capitalized with his fourth match point of the affair, and he got it done as he ended up winning 7-6-6-1-3-6-6-3. So Medvedev pulled off a bit of a shocker there, which I know sounds disrespectful because Medvedev is easily a top three player in the world. He's still three, but the point is nobody gave him a shot, and that's why Medvedev's odds kind of close at around plus 300, give or take. But Medvedev had gotten buried in the first two matches against Alcaraz this year. He made some adjustments, and he was able to get the job done. Now, the main adjustment, or the main thing I want to talk about, I mentioned before how Alcaraz did a good job of serving and volleying, but he really should have done it more. He did it a lot, and he was very successful at the net. But I want to at least point out that I thought he should have been even more aggressive with the kick serve. And it seemed like every time he served up the middle, Medvedev just had a good read on it. Alcaraz had no aces in the entire match. And he ended up winning 69% of his first serve points, won 48% of his second serve points, which is going to take me to my main, I'd say, takeaway from Medvedev's game plan, it really wasn't the returning. It was really the first serve. Medvedev was very aggressive with the serve, and Alcaraz, as a result, could really not break him throughout the entire match. Alcaraz ended up only breaking Medvedev one time in the entire match. He went one for nine on break points. Medvedev went three for seven, which is, don't get me wrong, still fine, and that was enough to get the job done. But you're looking at the first serve percentages here. Medvedev had nine aces compared to zero for Alcaraz. Did have 10 double faults, so he was willing to go for it a bit more with the second serve, and he also was using the big second serve in a couple of important points, and he made a lot of them. But you're looking at the first serve percentage, 68%, which is pretty solid for a relatively big server like Medvedev, and for the first serve points, I said Alcaraz was at, was at 69%, which is decent. Medvedev was at 82%. He won 82% of his first serve points, which tells you once again how well Medvedev was serving. And that was really the main takeaway for me. The return game and everything, don't get me wrong, he capitalized off of some of Alcaraz's mistakes. But the real story for me was how good Medvedev served. That was one of the best serving matches he's had in a while. And I wanted to point that out because Alcaraz, we know, is also one of the best returners in the world. And he only broke one time. In a four-set match, that does not happen that often. And you're looking at Medvedev, who was willing to be more aggressive, both with the serve, with the forehand. It just seemed like Medvedev knew he could not continue to hit random rally balls in the middle of the court. He had to try to be assertive, and he was, and he took his chances and capitalized. So props to Medvedev for tinkering the game plan and for getting the job done as an underdog. And now he will be looking for a second Grand Slam title and a second U.S. Open title on Sunday as he takes on Djokovic. Now, for the sake of the head-to-head, got to start off there. Djokovic is ahead. Currently, the score is 9-5. to five. Uh, You're looking at the recent meetings. Djokovic has gone on a run uh, over the past couple of years. They faced off in 2023 already in Dubai. 
And Medvedev did win that one 6-4, 6-4, in route to a title. They faced off in Adelaide earlier in 2023, and Djokovic won that one 6-3, 6-4. They faced off in the ATP Finals in 2022. A weird match where Djokovic was already clinched. He already clinched a spot into the next round, and Medved was already eliminated. So you were wondering if motivation would be an issue for both players. It was not. The match was phenomenal stuff. Djokovic won three set in three sets with two tiebreakers. So Djokovic ended up winning a marathon there. They faced off in Astana, and Djokovic won that one. It was weird because they split the first two sets, and then Medvedev quit immediately after losing the tiebreaker, which was very weird, but the point is that match was destined to be a long one as well. They faced off in 2021. Djokovic won in the final in Paris, got revenge for the U.S. Open, and won that one in three sets. And so Djokovic has won four of the last five meetings all on hard court. Before that, though, Medvedev did have a little bit of success, and to go through that little run there, Medvedev did win the U.S. Open final in 2021 in straight sets. Djokovic won the Australian Open final in 2021 in straight sets. They faced off in the ATP finals in 2020. Medvedev won in straight sets. They faced off in the ATP Cup, and Medvedev lost in three sets to Djokovic. Then Medvedev did win the two previous meetings in Ohio in three sets and in Monte Carlo. Kind of weird to see Medvedev win on clay against Djokovic. But the point is, recently, Djokovic has had... Medvedev's number, more often than not, but Medvedev has had moments where he has been able to get the job done. They have faced off uh, one time on clay and one time on grass, which means that 12 of the 14 meetings have been on hard court, and Djokovic has done very well in those meetings. Medvedev has won three, but uh, sorry, Medvedev has won four, but Djokovic has won the others. So my main takeaway from the head-to-head Expect a long match. That's really my main thought process here. I see both players in good form. I'll get into that in a second. But for the head-to-head, you tend to see very competitive matches when these two get together. And since it's 3 out of 5 instead of 2 out of 3, you have an extra chance for a guy that's down a set or down two sets to get back into it and to make the match more of a marathon. I see a very long match here. And regardless of who you think is going to win, if you think Djokovic is going to win, then you probably still expect Medvedev to take a set. And if you think Medvedev is going to win, you're probably immediately thinking five sets. That's probably where your mind's immediately going. So because of that, I'm going to keep that in uh, all of your minds before we get into the actual path of both players so far, which is why I'm going to bring up why I think, why a lot of us think this should be a long match. It's because these players have had a lot of quick matches so far in this tournament. Djokovic has only dropped two sets, both in the same match against Dejir, where he lost the first two sets and then came back in one and five. But Djokovic has won in straight sets in every other round, and most of those sets were really not that close. So Djokovic has won in straight sets in five of the six matches here. Mebet, on the other hand, has dropped some sets. He dropped a set to O'Connell, should have won in straight sets, completely punted away the third set there. Ended up dropping the first set to Dimenauer, then he got back on track and won the next three with relative ease, and then he dropped the set to Alcaraz. No shame in that, because he was an underdog and he ended up only dropping one set. So Medvedev has been in good form, but he has had moments where he's struggled at times to maintain a certain level, and there have been some lapses, and I do wonder if Djokovic will capitalize and potentially steal, I don't want to say a free set, but steal a set, because Medvedev's level kind of falls off a bit, and Djokovic's level does not. But for the sake of the odds here, to get into the betting picks for this matchup. Djokovic is a pretty decent favorite at minus 250. Medvedev is plus 210. 
Djokovic is minus four and a half on the game spread at even money. Plus four and a half for Medvedev is minus 120. Djokovic games alternative lines at three and a half. Minus three and a half is minus 135. Medvedev plus three and a half is plus 105. And for the total games here, 39 and a half is minus 105 to the over. Under is minus 115. Over 38 and a half is minus 125. Under 38 and a half is minus 105. Now, if you want to go for sets, over three and a half sets, what I said before was what most of us were expecting. The odds makers are expecting it too because the over three and a half sets is currently priced at minus 220 and the under three and a half sets is plus 175. Medvedev minus, uh, sorry, Medvedev plus one and a half sets in this matchup is minus 120. Djokovic minus one and a half sets is a minus 110. Djokovic in straight sets is plus 250. And Medvedev in straight sets, a repeat of the US Open final from a couple years ago, is plus 800. So for the sake of this matchup i want to start off going through the history one more time but a specific match i want to talk about the only time they faced off in the u.s open before the u.s open final and i want to talk about it because once again it's the exact same situation Djokovic was going for a calendar grand slam at the time and he ended up losing now Djokovic was battling an injury during that tournament and he did, was dropping a bunch of sets early on. So Djokovic was not at 100%. And you can argue about the pressure. I'm not going to. But I do think the injury was worth mentioning. Because Djokovic's movement was very compromised. And playing four or five sets in basically every single match didn't do him any favors. When Medvedev had a much easier path to that final. But the point is, Djokovic, despite losing in that final, I wanted to mention that this is a bit different. Because Djokovic, I believe, had a five-set marathon against Zverev in the semifinal, which took a lot of energy out of him. There was a day off in between on Saturday, but Medvedev had a much easier path, and Djokovic was pretty compromised physically. And as a result, Medvedev did win in straight sets. So that match means nothing to me, because unlike 2021, Djokovic had a very easy semifinal matchup against Shelton, so he should be pretty fresh, and because of that, I do think I'm not going to toss it fully in the garbage, because confidence-wise, Medvedev knows he can beat Djokovic in three out of five, but I do think, once again, if you re-watch footage from that match, it's going to tell you nothing, because Djokovic was definitely not at 100%. So looking at this overall matchup in itself, I think Djokovic is going to win. Now, Medvedev, I think, has the game to beat Djokovic, obviously, because he has five times in his career, including the lone Grand Slam final meeting in the U.S. Open. But you're looking at how these players have looked so far in this event, and Medvedev's been good. He has had some issues at times with stamina, with the overall conditions in Arthur Ashe Stadium. We saw it in the Rublev match, for example. However, he was very solid and consistent throughout the Alcaraz match. So maybe he made some adjustments conditioning-wise, but he didn't complain at all in that semifinal match. Now, Djokovic has been very fresh, and he's looked very consistent and very sharp. Now, he has had a couple of moments in some sets, mostly the third set after winning the first two, where his level has fallen off. He almost just punted a set to Shelton in the semi. He did not. He looked a lot worse in the third set against Mueller compared to the first two sets where he just buried him. Against Apata Marias, he looked pretty sharp in the final two sets, fought off a couple breakpoints there in the third. But for the most part, Djokovic has been consistent, but there have also been a couple of moments here or there where he just has not played the greatest tennis, or he's been up a break in the third, and suddenly it's interesting because Djokovic kind of kicks it to autopilot. And at that point, his opponent raises their level, and then Djokovic has to actually close it out again. But the point is, both guys have had lapses, 
in some matches, Medvedev's lapses tend to seem longer, and that's why he has dropped more sets throughout this event. Now, I think Djokovic, simply put, is the more consistent player. I think we know that. Medvedev is going to try to serve some bombs because he was very successful with it against Alcaraz. I do think he might double down on that philosophy. And even though it can be effective, I have serious concerns about the double faults. And I do think that Medvedev, if he does miss more first serves, he's going to fall right into Djokovic's hands because Djokovic is such a good returner that if Medvedev can't win three points all the time on the serve, I think Djokovic is going to be able to outlast him in a lot of these rallies. Medvedev will have moments, but I think Djokovic, we can agree, is the better rallier because he's the best rallier of all time. So I will go with Djokovic once again to win what should be a serious marathon. I think it's going to go at least four sets, maybe five. Five would not shock me. I can see that being a realistic outcome. And I do think that Djokovic would just wear down Medvedev over these potential four hours. But Djokovic has not shown any issues with his age at this point. He's 36, but he looks fresh, and he even addressed some comments or some questions in the post-match press conference against Shelton, where he basically said, I'm not going to retire until the younger guys start kicking my ass. And as of right now, the younger guys are not close to kicking his ass. Even Alcaraz, when he beats Djokovic, you get a five-set marathon in the oh in Wimbledon. So Djokovic should not be hanging it up anytime soon, which means he feels very confident about his current fitness, and he should be, because he is on the verge of winning three out of the four Grand Slams this year, with the only loss being in the final in Wimbledon. So I think Djokovic is going to win. Medvedev, I want to go through those stats once again, just to read off how crazy Medvedev's serve was in that Alcaraz semifinal. So Medvedev in that semifinal match, once again, won 82% of the first serve points, but he landed 64% of the first serve, which is insanely high for Medvedev. For comparison, he did only land 55% of the first serve against Rublev, and he's kind of in between that 60 and mid-50 range. So I do expect that number to drop a little bit. But the point is, with Medvedev being more aggressive with the second serve as well, I can see him double faulting a bunch. He double faulted 10 times against Alcaraz, double faulted nine times against Rublev, six times against Dimenauer, seven times against Baez, 10 times against O'Connell, only three times against uh, his first round opponent, but he only lost two games. So that really doesn't matter much. But the point is, I do think Medvedev, once again, is going to find himself in some tricky hold spots. 1530s, 1540s, maybe love 30s, because I do think he's going to fault. And when he does, I have faith in Djokovic to do a better job at capitalizing on those opportunities than Alcaraz. If you allow Djokovic to get nine breakpoint chances, he will break you more than one time. That's where Alcaraz kind of fell short in the return game. And I do think that Djokovic will do a better job of shutting the door on those opportunities and really just accepting whatever Medvedev gives him. And I think because of that, I just think Djokovic will be more opportunistic and he will be able to win. The other problem that I have is that I do think Djokovic will do a better job than Alcaraz at punishing the second serve of Medvedev. Now, I just said a second ago, he will be trying to throw in some fast, basically first serves on the second serve attempt. And I think Djokovic is going to live with that because I do think, once again, you're looking at the pros and cons for Medvedev. 
The pros are Djokovic is a great returner. I got to steal some points. The cons are Djokovic might have, might not have to return a decent amount of these because they're going right into the net. So I do think Djokovic will get some free points on the second serve. I cannot say the same thing about Medvedev because on the first serve or the second serve, he's standing 20 feet behind the baseline. And Djokovic has not had a great second serve in this tournament. In fact, I think it's been his biggest weakness so far in this event. And if Medvedev's going to just stand there 20 feet behind the baseline and turn every second serve into a rally ball, that's exactly what Djokovic wants. Djokovic's second serve was kind of getting picked apart at times by Shelton, and Shelton was willing to unload on the forehand to force Djokovic to move around the court quickly and to try to catch Djokovic off guard. Medvedev won't do that, and if Djokovic can simply put lay in the second serves without having to worry about double faulting, I do think there's a lot of extra insurance Djokovic has defending his serve because the weakest part of his service games is no longer an issue because Medvedev will not do a good enough job of attacking the biggest issue. And that's the problem that I have with Medvedev's overall style of play with the returns. And now it's worked, obviously, because he's a top three player. He was number one, and he's on the verge of winning his second Grand Slam title. But I have to at least point out, that if Djokovic's biggest weakness in this event, the only weakness so far is the second serve and maybe the first serve percentage, and you're not going to do anything to punish that, I do think it's a missed opportunity in Medvedev's game planning, and that's going to give a bit of an edge there to Djokovic. So for me, I'm going to go with Djokovic to get the job done. I think he will win a marathon. It'll be long. It will not be easy, but I will go with Djokovic to find a way to wear down Medvedev, and I think he will win this one in, in my opinion, five sets. But that's going to wrap it up for the actual preview for this match. Now I'm going to get into the actual picks uh, for the official picks for this match after this quick break. Football is back in full swing with another epic week of games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code SGP to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code SGP. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details and save specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. We're also brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I was always stressed out trying to buy tickets to my favorite team sporting events. And now that's no longer an issue because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. Personally, I'm going to end up using it probably in week one to go to the Jets-Bills game on Monday Night Football, which should be a lot of fun. But they have a lot of great features on the app, including images of seat views, which is my favorite feature. In the past, with other platforms, you might buy a ticket and you don't exactly know what the exact view is going to be. So you try to guess what you think it's going to be, and it turns out you have an obstruction directly in front of you, and you just paid money for tickets that you are basically worthless because you can't see the actual action you paid for. But that's not an issue with this feature because now with the images of seat views, game time will show you what the exact view is. So you'll get a perfect view of the action. But game time is also the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get flash 
deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theaters, and more. And the Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Sign the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code SGPN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account or redeem code SGPN for $20 off Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger by betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, MLB, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame bet app or visit hofbets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame bets. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two and five players, select whether they go higher or lower on any of their stats. Then you do what you always do on Sunday, which is watch all the games, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, but you can win real money. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little money over at Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And remember, when you sign up, Use the promo code SGPN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the men's final between Medvedev and Djokovic in the U.S. Open. Now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks for the show. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go with a pretty juicy play, but I do like it. It's going to be a player prop. I'm going to go with Medvedev over Two and a half breaks of serve at minus 163 on bet 365. Simply put, Djokovic has been a bit suspect with the first serve percentage recently. Second serve has not been great. And even though Medvedev does stand all the way back and he's not going to fully capitalize on immediate winners against Djokovic's second serve return. The point is Medvedev should not allow many aces in this match, and I do expect a lot of long rallies, and I do think when you're looking at the amount of games we're expecting, the amount of sets we're expecting, the volume is just so high that I feel like I have to take the over at two and a half, because you're looking at head-to-head meetings in the past, and Medvedev has had a lot of chances to break. He's also been great at returning on the slower courts in the U.S. Open this tournament. But you're looking at the head-to-head meetings. They faced off earlier this year in Dubai, and Medvedev did break him three times in two sets. Faced off in Adelaide, Medvedev had three breakpoint chances, didn't break. Djokovic has played very well. Faced off in the ATP Finals last year, Medvedev only broke one time at six chances, but a reminder that is two out of three instead of three out of five. You're looking at Astana. They played two sets because Medvedev quit right after the second set tiebreak. Medvedev broke twice, so he had two breaks in two sets. And once again, you need a minimum of three sets in this match. You're looking at the Masters 1000 event in Paris. Medvedev broke three times, had 10 chances. U.S. Open, Medvedev broke... Uh, four times in eight chances. That went that was in straight sets. 
You get my point. The point is Medvedev has had success breaking serve in the past, and I do think when you're looking at Djokovic and what his his biggest weakness is right now, it is the serve. The serve has kind of let him down so far in this event. He's been able to overcome it because the rest of his game is so fundamentally sound, but I do think when you're looking at what should be a four or five set marathon with a very good returner, an elite returner like Medvedev, I think two and a half is too low. I think Djokovic, once again, is going to also break serve a decent amount, but I do think Medvedev will have chances, and I think he'll capitalize on enough. But if Medvedev gets 10 breakpoint chances in four or five sets, maybe more than that, he should break at least three times. Give me the over two and a half breaks for Medvedev at minus 163 as my lock. And for my dog, I am going to go with a combo play. Give me Djokovic to win the match and each player to win a set, and that pays out a plus 130 on Caesars. Simply put, you're looking at Djokovic money line at around minus 250. You're looking at over two, over three and a half sets at minus 220. Plus 130 is a pretty good deal. I just think you're going to end up seeing a spot where Djokovic will be a bit too consistent and a bit too much for Medvedev to handle over the course of this match. But Medvedev will have moments. I don't think Djokovic is going to show up and immediately bury Medvedev. Medvedev has been in great form. He looked really good against Alcaraz, and the serve, when it's on, can neutralize some of Djokovic's elite return game. But I do think Medvedev will not get shut out in this match. I think he'll win at least one set. I said before, I think it's going five. But give me Djokovic to win the match with each player winning a set at plus 130. So once again, the lock and all picks for the show. The lock's going to be on Medvedev over two and a half breaks of serve at minus 163 on bet 365. And my dog will be Djokovic Moneyline with each player to win a set at plus 130 on Caesars. That's going to wrap it up. Find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Find me on a bunch of podcasts with the network. Find me on the NBA show, WNBA show, NFL show. A uh, reminder, NFL is starting on Sunday, so you might want to have an extra TV prepared so you can watch either Red Zone or actual games with the tennis match in the corner. But either way, you know where to find me. Until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.